0: Well, what we're doing over, um, uh, we've got, uh, this is the third week in this series, and we'll have three more follow, Uh, we'll have three more following that. Okay, last chance. We'll have three more following that, and what we're trying to do is uh, paint a picture for you of who we're trying to be as a church. Our tagline for the church now is, uh, we believe, and we are sharing with you what we believe. We're sharing with you what our priorities in ministry are. Uh, we're hoping to, to encourage you. It's been five years since we became an official church. Uh, we, in those five years, we've, we've chased a vision, and we've been, uh, we have been trying to, uh, um, excuse me just a second. In those five years, we have have tried to uh, chase after a vision of who we thought God was calling us to be. And after five years, it's not that we changed our vision, it's just that we needed to renew it. We just needed to make sure, check in, that we're doing the things that we wanted to be doing and, and see, after five years, uh, the things that we couldn't even have imagined that would be before us that we needed to address. And so that's what we're trying to do, is just reignite that vision for you. And I'll, I'll let you know, November 2nd uh, is coming up. And uh, I know there's a lot of you that have sort of been putting joining on the back burner for you. And, and I know a, a lot of the reasons for that is you don't like to get up in front of people. Uh, I'm going to give you a great opportunity, because on November 2nd, there's going to be, uh, in that service, it's, it's going to be designed uh, where it's communion, people are getting up and stuff. You're going to have an opportunity to, to join where you're not going to have to like stand up here by yourself, and so I'm just putting that in the back of your mind. Um, if you want to do it before, then you can. It'd be great. Uh, but uh, just putting that in your mind, if that's the reason that you don't join uh, get over it, and uh, come on. But, but we're going to be giving you a chance to recommit yourself to the vers- vision of this church and say we want to be a part of where you're going. So in, uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. What we've talked about so far is last week we addressed the idea that worship is the primary thing that we need to be doing. As a church, we, if we want to be something more than a social club, if we want to have any relevancy in our culture, We need to tap into the thing that makes us unique. And the thing that makes us unique is our belief in an all-powerful, all-knowing God. That is able to take our weaknesses. It's able to take the things that we do poorly and turn them into wonderful things. That that through his power, through his grace, through his love, lives can be transformed and renewed. Sinners can be uh, forgiven. Families can be reunited. I mean, we could go on and on about the things that God could do. And so worship needs to be the primary thing where we recognize that there is a being more powerful than us, that there is a force that we need to, to submit ourselves to, that there is an authority and a truth that we're seeking in life, that that's available to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we offer ourselves and worship to him each and, every, each and every day. And worship is the primary thing that we do. And, that's, and, and that will be the, the focus of, of everything we do in the church. We, we are trying to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And so that, 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 is our, that is our number one responsibility. We're going to start talking more this morning about some more of our programic ideas of, of, of how we do that. And what we're doing this morning is talking about kids. And our statement for that is we believe that children matter that they're important and and you know that that sound you know and we could have done the whitney houston song i believe the children are our future and and, and we, we you know we ran those ideas through our head, and it's hard to talk about this stuff without being cliche but and so i hope that you're not going to hear cliche i hope you're going to hear the heart of who we're trying to be uh, in this church i, I i'm just going to do a little informal poll here don't worry i'm I'm not going to turn this in to anyone or anybody, but how many of you grew up in a, in a home, in a family, in a church, as little kids, where you looked forward to the opportunity of going to church? Okay, you're abnormal, all right? All right. How many of you couldn't stand going to church? It was boring. You didn't get it. You just went so your dad didn't beat you or, or whatever? Okay. We had more of the first group because we're in church, <laughs> all right? If, if we were in a normal grouping of society, it would be much the other way, right? The reason why there's not more people that didn't enjoy church here is because we scared them away forever. How many of I mean, don't raise your hands. These are rhetorical, so I don't want to know. I do want to know, but don't do it publicly. But how many of you have had that battle with your spouse that battle with your, your parents, that battle with your kids of trying to get them to come to church. Because if you, if you were to chase it back, what happened is somewhere along their childhood, they had a horrible experience that scarred them forever. It, it, there was some, some place, something that happened where, where they, the message they got from church is sit down and shut up. I mean, that, I, I thought that was one of the Ten Commandments for a long time. <laughs> Sit down and shut up. I mean, because after all, that's, that's what a good children's ministry does, right? It gets the kids out of, out of sight. It gets them down in some basement room where they put you with some crazy old lady who's usually 149 years old. And, and you're not even sure she's alive until she smacks you upside the head with a yardstick. And the way she convinces you that God loves you is by saying, sit down and shut up. And 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 they even have they even have audio visual things for this. You have the flannel board with the Jesus and the flannel Jesus and stuff. And they usually had sticker charts that you you know, if if you were a good Christian, which meant you sat down and shut up, they you'd get a sticker, right? And for some of us, we thrived in that. I I sort of had both experiences. There was a part of my life where I was in that my Sunday school experience consisted of that old, I remember her name still, Miss Sandlin, and I was scared to death of her, and she knew my parents, and so most of Sunday school I spent writing out, notes explaining to my parents why I had to sit in the hall that day because I didn't sit down and shut up and that was the that was the the ultimate golden rule in church that that's the experience I had it's amazing that I'm still here and I'll share with you a little bit later in the service of how that got overcome that many of you have been trying to overcome that many of you that have friends or family spouses that don't enjoy church this is the reason somewhere along the 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 way usually as a child the message you got from church was sit down and shut up because god loves you right Churches have have done this in multiple ways. We always would like to tell you that children are important. And there's not a church out there that that doesn't believe. And, And as I'm talking about this stuff, I don't mean to suggest that people ever intentionally do this. It's just we do it out of habit. We do it out of tradition. We do it because we just don't think through. We do it because it's easier. It's not an intentional thing. It's something we slide into. And, and, and there's churches all across the, our, our, the, our nation this morning worshiping where kids are being dragged in there to sit and listen to something that they don't think has anything to do with their lives. And the parents don't really believe it has anything to do with their lives, but they believe that there's a God, and if, and if God is a vengeful God, it's certainly going to earn them points that they got up and went and got their kids to Sunday school. Right? Well, in this church, we wanna we wanna approach that differently. If you are to look at the budget of churches, this is and and by the way, we'll we'll talk about this coming up in November, but if you want to know priorities, money is one of the first places you look at. If you want to know what's important to you, you you look at your checkbook and you look at your bank account because you spend money on the things that are most important to you. In churches, what, what do we primarily put money behind? Staff members, buildings, teachers, uh, for adult Sunday school, um, that kind of thing. Typically, a church budget is going to be weighted towards adult ministry. And even in churches where children's ministry receives some attention, it's actually the reason they give it the attention is because because if we can trick these kids into thinking it's fun, they'll bring their parents with them, right? And if we can get the kids to come, then they'll bring their parents. And, you know, the kids are nice, but the parents bring their checkbooks with them, and then we can make more money, and then we can get more people. And, And so even our ministry to children is really about adults, right? well we want to be a church where that's that's not the case we want to be a church where our budget is weighted on children and youth and missions it's three areas where you're not going to get a big return on a worldly sense you know homeless people don't typically give you large gifts most children aren't carrying a bunch of cash in their wallet i know there's a few of them around. But we, our primary investment is to the people who it seems like makes no sense to invest in. Children are the primary thing for that. And it's not just our idea for that. It, we think we get this idea from Christ. And I'm, I'm going to show you a, a passage. It's in Matthew, or, or Mark 9. And to let you know where we are before this, Jesus you know, would travel around with his disciples. He would talk about... Um, He would talk about things, he would minister, and then they'd travel from city to city. And and this one time, as they're walking, the disciples are in a group. You know, Jesus is sort of up ahead, and they're in a group behind him, talking. And as they're talking, they get into an argument about who's the most important. And we never... Obviously, there's something wrong with the disciples, because we never worry about that. We're, we're always just happy to be a part of nothing. But uh, but the disciples, they're weird people. So they were arguing over who's more important. And, 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 of course, Jesus could overhear this. And so the whole way they're arguing, well, Jesus thinks I'm more important than you. No, no, no. And I know we never do this, especially in the church, we never do this. There's never an argument over which ministry is more important. There's, there's never an argument over, you know, what focus we should... I, I know. So I, I, I'm just trying to explain it so you can relate, because I know none of you are, are there. Okay? But just pretend. If you had a desire to be important at some point in your life, uh, maybe you'll be able to, to hear this. And so they uh, popped that up, Haley. after they arrived at Capernaum, this is verse... Thirty-three of chapter nine in Mark. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, "What were you discussing? You ever been busted doing something stupid? <laughs> you know." And and so they're they're embarrassed. They didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was a. I mean, how do you say that to Lord and Savior? Uh, what were y'all talking about? Uh. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Uh. Oh. Uh. Who was the best? Um, That's just hard to say to a guy who's given his life for the world, you know. So he sat down, called the 12 disciples over and said, if you want to be first, you have to take the last place. In fact, you need to be the servant of all. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf, welcomes me and anyone who welcomes me, uh, who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. He says, if you want to be important in the kingdom, if you want to do something that matters in the kingdom, you have to become a servant of all. And then he does something that I think we miss. We, we, You've heard this passage before about welcoming little children and stuff, but and, and I've missed, I just made a connection this week as I was reading through this passage that I hadn't met. And then it followed, after talking about being a servant, he grabs a kid and it's, and sets him on his lap and says, anyone who welcomes this child welcomes me. I think the child is the, is the example of who we are supposed to be ministering to, how we become Servants. I think the the reason Jesus used a child was to give us a a picture of the kind of people we're supposed to reach out to. You know, a lot of times in the church, we spend some time doing service and being in ministry to the lesson, but really, it's about us, you know? And we're good at finding rationalizations. You know, if we lead an adult Bible study or something, People respect me, and, and I get a little bit of clout, and I get a little bit of, yeah, and, and actually I might be able to make some connections in my business and some networking and stuff. And, and, there, and even a lot of the times, the way we minister or sacrifice for others really is about us. But if you're going to make kids your priority, other than gratitude, thanks, and love, what can kids offer to you? There's not a lot. This is one of the few places where we can serve with a pure heart. It's one of the few, few places where we can truly put other people ahead of ourselves. Where we can actually get what Jesus was saying right. Where we can make children our priority. Our priority. That's what we hope to do in this church. And, and I just want to share with you a little bit to celebrate that, that there's some fantastic things happening here. They were in the first service, and they hate me now because I made them stand up. But um, we have some fantastic leadership in this church in our children's department. If you, if you don't know who Tracy Schneider is, and if that name, if you're a parent and that name doesn't sound familiar to you, Miss Goody, that's Miss Goody. That's the kids call her Miss Goody. But Tracy has done a fantastic job of organizing our our children's ministry, of making some standards, of doing some teacher training, of of working with volunteers and providing an environment that that kids look forward to coming. I don't know how many of the the young parents I talk to that say, "I was isn't really interested, but my kids are the ones that are making me come to church because they enjoy it. They like what we're doing. I know many of you have helped in, in that area. If, if you have volunteered, and we're not doing it to make people, but it's important that we recognize that it's not some magic fairy in the church that does these things. It, it happens by the efforts of, of people. If, you've, if you help in the nursery or the children's or choir or uh, any way with the, with the kids, would you just raise your hands for us? yeah see it's there's people in this church that make that happen you know what we teach in our sunday school it's it's here's one of the things i hear i don't want to pollute my kid i want him to f- have the free flow of ideas so i don't want to brainwash him and, and again that goes back to that thing we had as kids right we felt like we were being brain because you never ask questions you know jonah got a uh, Jonah got swallowed by a whale. How did Jonah get, shut up and sit down, right? Do we, that's not important to the story, just shut up. Do you want to go out in the hall? Write a note to your parents. That's, that's how we, you know what we teach in our, we, we teach it different ways, but there's three themes that we have in our children's ministry. God made you, God loves you, and Jesus wants to be your friend. That's, that's our curriculum. There's lots of ways we do it. In any story we tell, any Bible truth they use, that's the message. God loves you, God made you, and Jesus wants to be your friend. There's nothing wrong with that. There, it, even if you don't believe in God, even if we're teaching them that people are important. We're teaching them that, that they're important, that they're not an accident, that they have meaning, that they have purpose. In our church, I, you might not believe this, but six years ago, as we were visioning this ministry, Robert and LaRue Woods, you can see their house at this window up here on the hill, we met on their porch to uh, six months before we were getting ready to launch, and we, we met, and we were mapping out our, our future as a church, and we were breaking everything down of who was going to do this, and who was going to do that, and who was going to do that. We actually had to really consider if we were going to do a children's ministry. Because, number one, everybody that was in our group was old and dried up. I, didn't, I, I knew, unless the Bible thing happened with Sarah again, we were not going to be having a lot, of, a lot of kids in our group. And this was primarily a, a retirement area and stuff. And, and, uh, and there was, you know, wouldn't it be a waste of money to be buying, buying nursery stuff? And we decided, no, you know what, we'll buy it, hoping that that sort of thing happens or that younger people move to this area. You know, from that inauspicious beginning to this last year, do you know what the most dynamic ministry area in our church is this year? It's our children's ministry. It's our children's. We went from that beginning of not knowing if there was going to be enough kids to even justify having a nursery. To this last year on Easter Sunday, fourth graders on down, we had 100 kids crammed into those buildings over there. There's been Easter Sundays where we didn't have 100 souls on the premises. (laughs) But we had 100 kids just in the children's ministry there. You got to see what the efforts of of some of our moms and volunteers with the the choir. You've got to see what... uh, if you if you have kids, you get to see what what goes on in in uh, in the class as they come home and they're excited. If you've never been into our nursery or over, you need to go over there because that's been a gift of love by one of our our members. Her name's Jean Honey. She she's an artist. She has painted these incredible murals in in those rooms. As you walk in, it's this hill country view. And in the nursery, it's all baby animals because they're babies in the nursery. So it's all baby animals, skunks and deer and all that kind of stuff. And then in the older kids' rooms, they have deer and, and cows and hawks. And, but it's amazing. You need to go over there and visit even if you're not, not in, in, even if you don't have kids in that area. You see, at this church, we want this church to, we believe that kids matter. So we, we are going to invest ourselves in that. I just want to share with you a, a little bit of where we're going. We, we already have approved and hopefully once Travis County moves on permits and stuff, right Tony? Are or, or we getting close? Those cabins are, are going to get st- constructed real soon here. We have two more cabins we're going to be constructing to, to, so we can expand the age groups. We, right now we've got too big a groups it's a good problem to have but we've got like five-year-olds with two-year-olds and you know there's a lot of things that go between five and two that where they need to be divided into smaller groups we've got so we're gonna be having more room for them we've, we there's just exciting things coming and so you might be asking okay what are you asking me for you know I know you're you're going somewhere with this and I am I, I think I, I want to ask you for two things and, and, and you're not gonna believe how simple it is. It's not a, it's not a plea to go work in the children's ministry because we, we have had people who have those gifts respond and they are doing a great job of that. Now certainly if you have that gift and you're wasting it now, then get your butt over there and let Tracy, let Miss Goody know, she'll get you signed up, okay? But not all of us have that gift, right? So what can we do to minister to make kids a priority? I just want to tell you a couple stories. One of them is about an event that happened this summer. If This summer we, we changed from doing a regular vacation Bible school because we just felt like we were doing free babysitting uh, to, a, to an event where we could interact with kids more, get the parents involved. And so we did some events. One of those in July was a pet day, and we sent out a, an email, a card about it. You might have gotten a card about that. But that night, we gathered together, and uh, it was a hot July night, and we had dogs here running around, slobbering all over everything. And and we had goldfish, and we had hermit crabs, and we we had stuffed fish, and we had—I mean, we had— everything and you know we had dinner and stuff and so at the end of the end of the night we went down to the the amphitheater out there we sat down and there was there was a collection it was families that had kids and then there was some of the the older families of our church the more mature families of our church as well that don't have kids anymore in one of the coolest nights of our church the kids would get up on stage and whatever animal they had and they'd show us a trick it could do uh, colton uh, had hermit crabs gets two hermit crabs and tells us the names he sits them down on the stage sit <laughs> and they did it was amazing we, we just, yeah i mean they were the best trained animals they were but uh, but there was this fantastic thing that happened these kids whose society would tell you are not as important who actually, the way their lives go, are told they're not that important. We're getting to interact with a church family that knew them, that clapped for them, that laughed with them, that celebrated with them. It was a cool event. So if if I was going to tell you what is one of the things you could do to make a difference, would be this. You need to learn the name of some kids in our church. You need to learn the name of some kids in our church. I I had this, and I'm I'm a part of a conference. If you're not a part of the United, if you don't know very much about that, thank your lucky stars. But um, as as I was ordained and stuff, I had to go through all this rigmarole to make sure I wasn't going to lead y'all astray and Somehow I skated through. So, uh, But in that, I had this bishop come to me and tell me. He wasn't a bishop yet. He was going to become a bishop. and And he was going on and on. And I happened to have been in his church. And he was going on and on about how important children's ministry are. And churches need to invest in children's ministry. And I didn't do this in front of everybody. Now you understand why I don't get promoted and stuff. But I didn't do this in front of everybody. But afterwards, I went up and I said, can you tell me? the names of four of the kids in your church? And he couldn't. You know, you know how you know you're important is when somebody knows your name. By just learning the name of a kid, you can make him feel a part of this family. And the reason that's so dear to me is because that Sunday school experience i had where where i was just miserable and it was just to sit down shut up if that would have continued i probably wouldn't be where i was today where i am today but after miss sandlin discouraged me for so long then i met ruby plummer and I'm sorry, I get choked up all the time talking about her, but Ruby was about this tall and about that wide. <laughs> and she just had this, this glow about her. And she was crazy. And, and she, they let her come in our Sunday school class. And I just remember because I was used to sit down and shut up. And the first week she was there, she taught us how to play poker. I was sure she was going to get in trouble but we we didn't tell our parents because we wanted her to come back the next week and she did and 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 she got to know us and she she became our friend she imagine this short little squat woman she would do double dutch jump rope with us and everything out there and 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 she she was a part of our lives and she was she was crazy in all other parts of the church, you know, I, she would yell out in church and disagree with the, the pastor. She was from from the south. And she her favorite song was give me that old time religion. And so she would, you know, just start it would be in a meeting, start getting tense, she would just start singing that song and stuff. And but number one, Ruby made a connection with me when I was seven. When I was 12 and our youth group was doing a Youth Sunday, and I got up and I read some verse that I couldn't even pronounce the words, even though it wasn't any big deal, she was the one that chased me down after the service and said, David, that was the most beautiful reading anyone has ever done in all of history of the scriptures. That was so fantastic. In youth group, when I shared my testimony, when I was in, in senior high, even though I stumbled in everything and made a fool out of myself, she was the one that chased me down afterwards and said, "David, that was so fantastic. God was using you. That was that was incredible." Even through my college years, when when my parents wouldn't even admit that I belonged to them and stuff, she she continued to to encourage me, and and it sort of culminated when my, my first year at seminary when, when I got a letter from her that at that point she couldn't even see. She had had to have her husband write it. It said, I knew you'd do this. I've always seen something special in you. You know, that's why I'm here. But a, some crazy old woman taught me poker. And she knew my name. Now that doesn't take a master's degree. That doesn't take money. It didn't even take a lot of time. It just took a heart that cared for kids. Now what if we could be a church that could do that for each and every child, not only in this church, but in this community? What if we could be a church that could offer a vision of hope for the future that they're not even able to imagine. Let me tell you, when I was 13, when I was 17, even when I was in my freshman year at seminary, I did not see myself here. But she was able to see me there. That's the church we're trying to be. And it doesn't happen by any any magic, it happens by the investment of loving, caring people in the life of a kid. We believe kids matter, and because they matter, we believe we should know their names and we should invest in their lives. Why don't you bow with me and let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the love that you've shared with us. It, it touches us even though we have nothing to offer to you. Even though we screw up over and over, you, you've given us everything. And God, we have the opportunity every day to reach out to, to children in our, in our area, to know their names, to invest in their life, to encourage them, to, to laugh with them, to talk with them, to nurture them, to, to prod them, to to just be a part of their lives. God, we, we, we just pray that you will help us to become that church, that we can be the church where every kid feels like they're important. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.